Well, ladies, it is good to see you all here. And although this is not our in-depth Bible study that comes this fall, it is an opportunity for all of us to get together and to share and to look into the Word and see what God has for us. Now, over the next five weeks, we're going to have different speakers that are here, so you don't have to listen to me the whole time. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, see, Sue is praising the Lord, too. Um, (laughs) But each, each speaker will be talking about different principles of leadership that we've kind of um, taken on here at Calvary Chapel Surprise. Our outline has come from the book from Gail Mays, Principles of Leadership for Women. This is a very condensed version of what we're doing, but this book is available online and through our bookstore if you're wanting to purchase it. So, ladies... We, we're all here because we're all leaders in some way. And if you didn't think that, I think everybody has reminded you of that this morning. We're either leaders in our home with our children, in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, maybe at work, maybe at work you're the leader, or maybe in your peer group, maybe your peers are looking to you for leadership. Maybe it's in your family with your brothers and sisters. Maybe they are looking to you for that leadership. I'd like to define principles real quick before we even move on. Principles are an accepted or acknowledged rule of action or conduct. And that's what, that's what we have taken on here at Calvary Chapel Surprise these principles. Today, I have the privilege of sharing with you the call to ministry. And each one of us has been called to ministry. We've just, we've all gotten that message this morning. Um, Our call to ministry started, actually, ladies, when we were saved. God called us into that personal relationship with him, and we're called to minister the good news of the gospel to everyone around us, to share that good news with them. But the call to ministry that I'm talking about today is not the call to spread the good news. It's the call to service. It's the call to service for the Lord. Our That specific calling can only be done, ladies, if you have the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't answered the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you're not going to be able to fulfill the calling of service in Him. You're going to run out of fuel, ladies. You're going to experience things that I hear Christians so often call burnout. And those things come when we work in our flesh, when we're doing things on our own. This call to ministry has to be done through the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't always come in the way you think it should come. For example, when I was asked to be the women's ministry director here at Calvary Chapel Surprise, I totally went into this meeting 
thinking I am going to uplift this person and I'm going to encourage them and I'm right by their side and I am here for you. And she's like, you're it. Tag, you're it. I'm like, what just happened? What just happened? I totally felt inadequate for this position, ladies. This is not something I was looking for, but it's the place that God put me. And I'm telling you, when the pastor's wife asks you to do something, she has not flippantly gone along and said, oh, you, I pick you. That's not what's happened. They have prayed fervently about this decision. And I learned many, many years ago when I'm asked to do something by leadership, they've prayed about that. And whether I feel like I can really do it or not, I agree. And I walk into it fully relying on Jesus, fully trusting in him for the outcome. In Jeremiah 1.5, we read, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you the prophet to the nations. Ladies, we can fill in the blank there. I have appointed you where? Where in ministry? God knew before you were even born. It's no surprise to him. When God called his disciples to himself, he did that in order to train them to be apostles. He took a bunch of unqualified, uneducated, untrained men, and he wanted them to be our, his, his apostles. He does that to us, ladies. He calls us. He disciples us. We're learners. That's what disciples are. They're learners. They're, they're people God has called to learn. You may feel totally inadequate for the leadership position God has placed you in right now, but the Holy Spirit can make you totally adequate for any ministry challenge that God has put before you. And ironically, ladies, God has called the most unqualified people to do the most important task, which is advancing the kingdom of God. And he's called us for that. I'd like to share a quote um, from Warren Wiersbe with you. I ran into his book on being a servant several years ago and read it, and I highly recommend it to anyone. It's a very, very good cut-to-the-core kind of book. Um, He has a, a quote in there in the very, very beginning that says, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Whether you've been a Christian for many years or for a very short time, people around you are looking at you. And sometimes that can be good and sometimes that cannot 
you know, that's not so great. And we all know, I know what I'm talking about for me. But I mean, like there are times I'm driving down the road that I'm going, oh, I'm so glad I don't have that Calvary sticker on the back of my car. <laughs> it would be really bad right now. But you know who's in the car with me? Yeah, so what am I getting away with? Nothing. They hear what you say, they observe what you do, and they look. They look for a glimpse of Christ in your life. What are they seeing? Are they getting that? Is it something different from what they have? If they were to follow you as you walk, how would they be spiritually? We're going to read from Acts 3, 1. If you have a Bible and you'd like to turn there, we're going to read from that this morning, best I can. I am bringing my glasses. So, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And just for passing, that's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began to ask them to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were straightened, strengthened. When a leap with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I just want to say, I know there are teachers out here. And you're thinking, man, this is full of good nuggets. I'm not going there. I know there are some apologetics out there that are going Man, is there some history in this? I'm not going there. (laughs) Um, What I am going to talk about is four principles of ministry that that we see in, in this passage right here. Peter and John saw a great need in this man. He was spiritually dead and he was physically dead. When they walked into the, the gate, this was the outer gate before you go in to do whatever they did 
Um, there were thousands of people out there. And the Lord took Peter and John's gaze and he gazed right at him, right at this lame man. And Peter and John had to focus on this lame man. They had to have their priorities straight. They had to listen for that still small voice of the Lord. And they had to go to this man. They saw the need, they paid attention, they listened to the Lord, and they walked to this man. We have people all around us, ladies. I'd, I can't even imagine every day the people that we see around us who are spiritually dead. And we see people who are in need. And can we always help them? No, I mean, not with money. We can't always help them with money or with goods or with whatever. We're not all equipped like that. But what we are equipped with is the Holy Spirit. We are equipped with the hope and the joy that we have in Christ. We are equipped with the good news, each and every one of us. And we can go out and we can touch that spiritually, physically lame person and give them the gift of life, share that gift of life with them. That's what John, Peter and John did. They reached out with compassion, the compassion of Christ. Now, I know there are probably a lot of mercies in here. I am not a mercy. My first thought when I see someone in need is they probably got there for some reason or another by their own choices, and they need to live with that. And that, I know it's so bad, and I'm working on it. But, you know, that's not the heart of God. God wants us to look out at them and not judge. Where, were, where was I? Let me tell you something. When I was a kid, thankfully, I met my husband when I was very, very young, because if I had been left to myself, I probably would have been out there, and I could have been in the same situation. And I really have to take a look at that, ladies. I have to look at, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could be in that very same position. And we look, maybe we see a young mom struggling with two or three kids. And we're sitting here thinking, you know, I had seven kids. I did it. She can do it. Now, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is you know, have compassion on her. Have compassion. Have compassion on the older lady like me that's trying to carry in all this water and stuff. <laughs> yeah, have compassion. Have compassion. And they reached out to this lame man and they had compassion on him. And they shared God's power with him. The very thing we can do, as I talked about earlier, they, they shared that power. They said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And God did choose to heal him. And he is not beyond that. He can use you to heal someone else any time, any day he chooses. And we have to walk in that faith and knowing that and be willing to pray for people and share that with them. 
And in the end, the man went and he leaped. He was like a child leaping around. He was so grateful. He was so excited. He was so thankful about what these guys had shared with him, about the new life that he had, about the new body he had, that he glorified God. Some of those things we're going to go more into debt on. Some of the things I'm talking about today, we will be we will go in depth more on them in further sessions. So if you're sitting there wondering, well, how do I do this or how's this coming about? You have to wait. You have to come back. In John fifteen sixteen, Jesus tells us. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And this is the disciples called to service. This is our call to service. He chose us to go and bear fruit. Did God make a mistake? Are you somewhere where you're thinking, uh, (laughs) this is not... I, I, I can't do this. This is what I thought. I, I, I can't do this. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. Ladies, if you have prayed about this, so you have this still small voice in you urging you to do something you thought I would never do. That's God. My father, he'd probably kill me if he knew I was talking about him, but, and it's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you anyway. My father heads up the prison ministry at, through Calvary Community Church. It started with nothing, no, no one. They do a discipleship program, and they send out Bible studies to the prisoners. They have over 3,000 students. And I remember my dad saying, uh... <laughs> This is not where I saw myself. (laughs) He did not see himself heading up a prison ministry. Ladies, but God has made it so fruitful. He walked in obedience. He walked in obedience to God's calling, knowing God appointed him. God has appointed you where you are. Maybe Maybe it's ministering to your children right now. Maybe you're a mom and you've got enough ministry going on in your home for what you feel like is a lifetime. I look around here and I see a lot of different ladies in a lot of different age groups and a lot of different situations in a lot of different ministries. I think about the people that God gave us to look at in the Bible. So many. And it's a great study. If you get discouraged, just turn open the pages of God's word and let him minister to to you through the people that he has used and he has chosen to share with us their inadequacies, their shortcomings, the things that they couldn't do, but God did. God did it. Now, You want to be really, really careful not to go into ministry yourself. Not to be like 
I can do this. Let's go. I'll do it. And I can do this. Let's go. I'll do this. Oh, let's do this. And you know, you're so excited about serving. You're just like going everywhere. You're like a pillow with all those feathers opening up and going everywhere. God's not, I think about Paul and he was absolutely zealous for the Old Testament. He, he was, he's got a whole list of his qualifications in here, how he was born a Jew and circumcised on the eighth day and the Pharisee of Pharisees. And he studied under Gamil. And I mean, he goes on and on about all these, I mean, PhD, MD, RD, DD, I don't even know, you know, all these different things that he's in. And he's going to Damascus and he's like, oh yeah, we're going, we're going to take care of these people. And where did he find himself, ladies? Face down in the dirt. Face down in the dirt. With Jesus Christ himself confronting him. And we don't want to end up where Paul was. We want to walk in the power and in the calling of the Holy Spirit. One of the very important parts of being a leader is knowing who is in authority over you. When you're in a job, or I'm going to start with the church. When we're in a church, and we're serving in the church, we have our pastors. And our pastors love us. They are up early in the morning praying for us, praying for the body of Christ. Our pastors' wives, same thing. And they really do. You've heard Pastor Brett, or if you've heard any pastor, if you're not From Calvary Chapel Surprise, you've heard pastors say, being a pastor's wife is the most difficult job, and it is. They're holding up those pastors' hands. They're encouraging them. They're taking on what the pastor takes on. They're loving on you and praying for you. They are the ones who are ultimately responsible for our spiritual growth. They are our shepherds and shepherdess. If you do not know Pastor Brett and Christina, I encourage you. They are very down-to-earth, open people. Please meet them. Get to know them. Same with Pastor Brad and Marion. Same thing. They have the heart of a shepherd and shepherdess. They are our pastor and our pastor's wives. And then we have our elders and our elders' wives. And they are doing the same thing, ladies. They are praying for us. They are wanting to come alongside of us and do whatever it is that can be done to help us grow spiritually. You have your deacons. In women's ministry, you have your director and you have your women's ministry team. They're there for you. 
They're there to help you, to encourage you, to come alongside you in whatever ministry God has called you into, whether it's in Bible study or somewhere else. Doesn't matter. We're here to help you, come alongside you, encourage you, and pray for you. If you're in a job, you have your CEO, your owner, you have your boss. There's always someone bigger than us telling us what to do. The head of all this, all of these, is Jesus. He's the one we really want to know. I remember watching, I, I don't, I don't have cable TV or anything, so I can't do the search thingy. <laughs> anyway, one time I was watching, I know, I'm totally stuck when it comes to TV stuff, but um, I was watching an undercover boss, and the boss, the guy that owned the company, and came up with all the workout stuff and the juicing stuff and all this stuff, he goes out to meet his people. And they're undercover, so I guess you're not supposed to be able to recognize them. But he goes into this one place, and this one lady was so rude to him. And, and not like directly to him, but she was rude about the things that go on in the club in the fitness club. She was rude about the people who come in to pay. If you're not paying, you're not working, get out of here. I mean, she was just rude. And he had, he had talked to her one time about doing the mixes for the shakes. There's a reason we do this. And they're all together. And the ingredients are all there for a reason. She's like, yeah, well, they like it this way. Well, he did everything he could to bring her to recognize or to realize he was doing things the right way. He was the boss. And when they showed up at that end, I guess at the end, they all get to come in, they do something sappy. But with her, she lost her job. And she was like begging, please, please. And he's like, there's no way. You know, you totally denied everything I was saying. And I, I was thinking about that with the Lord. You know, do we go about our business and do our business, do our ministry, do our walk the way we want to, ladies? Or do we recognize that Jesus is the head? He's the one who has laid it all out for us. He's laid out our call to ministry. He's laid out our principles of leadership. He's laid out those things. And are we going to go before him and go, but Lord, but Lord, I, I want to do it now. Now's too late. When, it's, when we're before him, now's too late. <sighs> well, ladies. That's our call to ministry. What's yours? What is your call? I want to encourage you to pray about that. All right, ladies. What is required of me in ministry? 
We are going to take 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, and we're just going to glean a little bit off of what that has to say for us. Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required as stewards that one be found trustworthy. In some translations, it says faithful, faithful, trustworthy. So first of all, ladies, we have to realize where exactly we are on this leadership level. Let a woman, I'm going to use woman because we're women and I, I, it says man, but it means man or woman, right, Sharon? Yes, okay. The look to my scholar there. <laughs> Let a woman regard us. Regard means to look towards us, to point towards us, or to be directed. To observe or to notice us in this manner. Let a woman regard us in this manner as servants. Ladies, the higher up in leadership you get, the more you serve. The more you serve, the more time you are putting in. We are not the captains of the ship. We are the under rowers. And I would like to encourage you, ladies, if you were not able to come to the ice cream social and listen to Martha Farnsworth teaching on this. Go online, go to our media center, click on it and listen. She is, has a plethora of in-depth, really good. It's just a great message on being an under rower. And she will explain that thoroughly. And we are an under rower for Christ, servants of Christ. Jesus is our headmaster. He is our leader. He is our captain. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he becomes like his teacher or that the slave become as his master. The most essential quality of servanthood or stewardship is obedient loyalty to the master. And our master is the Lord. A steward is someone who owns nothing, ladies. We own nothing. As Peter and John said before, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. Joseph was a great example of a steward. He had nothing. That was not his. It, but he gave out willingly and freely to the people around him. He was a great steward. And there was always someone above him in Potiphar's house or the pharaoh was always above Joseph. It was their stuff. 
This is whatever God has allowed you to have or to do or to be in ministry. It's not yours. It's his. Peter also, oh, I already shared that with you, sorry. (laughs) A steward may not please the other members of the household. Very important, ladies. As a steward, as we are serving and we are being servants to Christ, not everyone around you is going to be happy with what you do. It's just a fact of life. We're not all the same. We don't think the same. We don't act the same. But as Christians, as women of God, we should be able to accept that leadership of someone else. We should be able to fall in submission under their leadership, whatever that may be. We may not always agree with it. The household is not always going to agree with the head servant. The other servants that serve alongside you are not always going to agree. We have leadership meetings in women's ministry, and we have to put stuff on the burner for a while until everybody agrees. And we're all very different, very different. We have different opinions, different likes. I'm old-fashioned, so anytime you see anything really old-fashioned, that's, you know, just, you're not going to see it. They don't let me do it, but I have to give in. But I mean, everybody's not always going to agree, but ladies, You are a steward of the Lord. And if the Lord is happy with your stewardship, that's all that matters, is that you are in line with him. And we are a steward of the mysteries of God. The truth that the word has for everyone. Ladies, it is highly important that we are faithful in that, that we are faithful. I looked up the definition of faithful, and I was really, uh, I was really amazed at what I found. I looked in the Webster's Dictionary, that 1828 version that everybody talks about all the time. I found it. The definition of faithful, firm in adherence to the truth and to the duties of religion. And you can put into the duties of Christ because back then religion was a very big thing, having a relationship with the Lord. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2.10. You're not gonna sway, ladies. You're not gonna change your mind about the word. That This word, it doesn't change. There's different versions. There's different translations. It's not going to change. If you use this word to minister to anyone, your friends, your family, your children, you're safe. You're good. It's not going to change. Firmly adhering to duty of true fidelity, loyal, true to allegiance as a faithful subject. If you've committed to something, ladies, you need to see it through. If you've committed to being a twos and threes leader for a couple weeks, you need to see that through. If you've committed to whatever it is, serving coffee, can you believe 
I don't know. Serving coffee here can be so hard to find someone to serve coffee with a spirit of service, of wanting to get coffee for people or help them with that pumper thing when it doesn't want to work or get cream or sugar for people. Something as simple as serving coffee and people sign up for it and don't show up. If you have committed to something, ladies, commit to it. Fulfill your commitment. If you find that's not where the Lord's leading you, when your commitment is fulfilled, you can move on. Constant in the performance of duties or services. Exact in attending to the commands. Follow the guidelines set before you. There's guidelines in every ministry. There's things that are required for us in every ministry. Our biggest guidelines are in here. What's it say? Now, if you ask me, people say, oh, there's gray areas. But my Bible is all black and white. So don't ask me. If you really don't want to know, don't ask me. You want to to be dependable. You want to show up on time. Now, my dad used to tell me that when you're early, you're on time. When you're on time, you're late. And when you're late, you're fired. (laughs) And I'm like, well, okay. So we got some pretty firm upbringing on the whole being there on time and being punctual observant of the treaties, contracts, vows, or other engagements, observant of them, true to one's word, constant, not fickle. Ladies, we can't be doing this. We can't be swaying back and forth, back and forth with what we what God's put on our hearts. We can't be swaying from the word. If the word says it, we believe it. This is it. We cannot sway. We cannot be taken away with gossip. And ladies, I mean, I know I'm going to step on some feet here. And I just want to say I'm sorry right now. And I don't, I'm not looking at anyone and I don't know who you are. But there are those of us out there that will call and say, Susie, Susie, will you pray for my friend? Judy, because Judy has this going on and this going on, and I just know the Lord wants to work in her life and do this and that, and would you pray for her, please? Ladies, if Judy wants Susie to pray for her, Judy will call Susie and have her pray for her. And I know that may seem very putting a cap on prayer, But if you feel so inclined to pray for someone, you pray for them. God knows their situation. You don't have to know every detail. He knows them. I have prayed and counseled with several women and not knowing their circumstance, been able to pray them through what they're going through. God knows, ladies. We don't have to gossip about it. We don't have to send it on to someone else. If, if 
people want your prayers, they'll ask for them. You can ask them, can I pray for you? But to call someone else and say, will you pray for this person? They're going through this is gossip. True exacting conformity to the letter and to the spirit as a faithful execution of the will. Someone who executes a will um, makes sure it's carried out the way the person wrote it. That's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we are walking through and that we are teaching the word accurately. Paul encouraged Timothy to entrust the truths he has learned to faithful men who will then be able to teach others. That's what we want to do. We want to be able to dig into the word and be faithful in the word. We want to be able to encourage other women to come alongside other women and be encouraged in the word. I hear so often, I really want a mentor. I really would like to have a mentor. But you know what, ladies? This is how we mentor. We come together like this. We get to know people. Those people become closer to us. They pray for us. They lead, guide, and direct us in, in our, our thoughts and our prayers and our spiritual walk with the Lord. That's mentoring. That's mentoring. Get to know women. Get to know women. God is going to place someone in your path that will come alongside you and encourage you and mentor you. That's how we do it. We can't just go out and say, I want a mentor, and then not do anything about it. We need to count the cost, ladies. We need to count the cost of any ministry. And there's always a cost. What's the cost for you? Is it personal time, maybe, or family time, shopping time, social media time? What is it that you need to sacrifice? Last week, I volunteered to help for VBS. How many of you were able to go? at one point or another. Thank you so much. I have to tell you, I don't know if you've heard this, but we reached out to over 600 children last week and were able to share the love of Jesus and the gospel with them. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It was huge and it was wonderful. But I, I'm not young. I... I have to really think about these things before I commit to them. And I know it's going to be a week of go, 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 go. So I, I have to count that cost, ladies. I'm older now, and I like to be able to take time in the morning with the Lord and sit out in my skimpies by the pool with my dog, throwing the Frisbee, reading the word, drinking my coffee. I like to be able to do that. But I knew when I'm doing VBS, I'm not going to be able to do that. I had to get up super early to even be able to spend time 
just preparing my heart for that day to run into people that God may have brought here for the first time, to run into children that, oh, Linda has a beautiful story about our children. And if you get an opportunity to talk to her about it, she'll share it with you. But your heart has to be prepared for those things. Your heart has to be prepared to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, I, I knew what that cost was. I knew I was only going to have a couple hours in the afternoon. I knew I was going to come home and drop into bed and get up the next day and do the same thing again for a week. But I counted that cost. I'd, I, I adjusted my priorities, and BBS was a priority that week. Peter was asked by Jesus. He wanted to do great things. Peter did. And he did a lot of great things. But he was asked by Jesus, are you able to drink from the cup I am about to drink from? And Peter said, yes. Yes. Well, church tradition and history tells us that Peter did drink. He did drink from that cup. Not only did Peter drink from that cup, but before he was crucified, he had to watch his wife being crucified. And all he could do was sit at her feet saying, remember the Lord, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. That was his encouragement to her in this painful, painful, awful death. And then he asked to be crucified upside down, head down, because he wasn't worthy to be crucified as our Lord. Count the costs, ladies. You'll never be an apostle like Peter was, but you can have that same joy. You can have that same character that he had, that same joy in in serving the Lord. There's no higher calling, ladies, no higher calling in the world than to be an instrument of God's grace. Peter knew that, and he was faithful to that calling, faithful to the end, and may you be faithful too. Submission, resistant, humility, sacrifice, love, These should all be characteristics that we all have as Christians. They should all be characteristics that we're looking deep inside of ourselves and saying, yes, Lord, I want these. I want these more. Lord, I know you've given them to me. You say you've given me everything in your word. Lord, I believe it just as Donnie was sharing earlier. Help my unbelief. 1 Peter 2.21 says, you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. John said, the one who says he abides in Christ ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Ladies, we have to count the cost. If we're watching something and our children are watching us watch something, 
are we counting the cost? Are we counting the cost of discipleship? Are we counting the cost if God has called us into leadership? One of the things that is rampant in the church, and I know I'm going to step on toes here, is drinking. There are people who are in leadership who will go out, and I heard this from the Calvary Chapel pastor's conference. So I am taking their quote and telling you what I remember. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I'm paraphrasing their quote. But they said it's rampant, that drinking in leadership in the church is rampant. When we go out, ladies, and we're enjoying a drink with our husbands or with our girlfriends, and we're in a restaurant, and our sister walks in, and our sister has just taken her daughter out of the ditch from being a drunk and put her into rehab, and she looks at us, who she loves, and we're leading her, and we're building her up, and we're drinking what kind of of a witness are you, ladies? What is happening to this dear sister who has been looking up to you for all this time? Personally, I do not drink, and I do not drink because God has called me into a ministry where I can get a phone call at any time. I have been called at two in the morning to go and pray for people who have been in accidents, who have had heartache going on at two o'clock in the morning. I don't want to show up, ladies, with alcohol on my breath or with slurring words or something going on. Count the cost. Count the cost. And how are we walking, ladies? What are we? Are, are, you know, yeah, there's, there's shopping centers. There's things we go into with our friends. Or should we really be going in there? I remember sitting at the bar with my, not the bar, but you know, the bar in your house where you have <laughs> breakfast, that one. The breakfast bar, yes, that one. <laughs> I'm sitting there with my 16-year-old son, and I get a Victoria's Secret magazine in the mail, and it's right there. And he's sitting there, and I'm making him breakfast, and he's like, wow, Mom, when did we start getting porn? I'm like, really? I never thought of it like that, ladies, ever, ever. But he did. He thought of it that way. So what kind of example was I being to him? How do we walk, ladies? How do we even walk in a manner that's worthy of serving the Lord? We maintain a strong devotional life. We cannot get so busy doing that we are not being. I'd like to read a very famous passage from Luke 10, 38. 
about this very subject. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And she came up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that I am doing all the work and my sister is not helping me a bit? Paraphrased. (laughs) Then tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Martha. Wow. How many of us feel like that? How many of us feel like, I am doing everything. Pick up your underwear. (sighs) Part of maintaining a successful ministry is maintaining a deep, strong, good, devotional life. We can't leave it in the background. This may, be, this may look different in a lot of ways to a lot of different women. I do want to encourage you. I'm not going into depth about sitting at the feet of Jesus, but our dear sister Sharon Simler went into depth very much on that at our TN teaching. So if you were not able to be there for that, I would encourage you to listen to that. She has a lot of good in-depth scripture and an encouragement for that. But depending on what stage in life you are, your devotion life can look different. So I'm not up here to condemn you on anything. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, none. Ladies, we're just sharing and learning and growing together. When I, was, um, when I was first saved 30 years ago, I was a young mom. And I had five children. And my life was busy. And now I'm saved. And I want to get to know the Lord. I was very, very hungry for the word of God. I didn't know anything. I had no background. I, nothing. The pastor would sit up there and say, we all know the story of David. And I'd be like, who is David? And I'd have to go home and read about David. Or we all know the story about Peter. Well, we all do now, huh? But I didn't, I didn't know any of that. But here I am with five small children, and I'm trying to maintain a devotion time. Well, here's my life. My husband was and is a truck driver. I would get up at 3.30 in the morning with him. I would stay up. I would clean the apple juice and the carrot sticks and the mashed bananas off my floor at 3.30 a.m. while I'm listening to Chuck Smith on a cassette tape. (laughs) And I would listen to John Corson. I would listen to worship music. It's actually during those years was the first time I met Randy White. He was a DJ at the radio station that I listened to in the morning, in the early morning. 
but I would scrub and listen. And then my little toddlers would get up. Well, they weren't all toddlers. They were like, you know, I, can you have five toddlers? I don't, I don't know. They weren't to- all toddlers, but they were all very little. And they would get up and life would happen, ladies. It would happen. And I would go through my day and I would have something like this, a little one minute devotion on the back of my toilet. And I would just pray, Lord, let me pee in peace. And I would read a little devotion while I'm on the toilet. This is going to sound really good on tape, doesn't it? But that, I mean, that was my reprieve. And they would take a nap. And I was like, I would be so tired. But I would spend that time in my Bible study, doing my Bible study, looking at the word, reading the word. And that's how my life went on for several years, several years. For me, that was my devotion time. It was something I was not willing to give up, but I really wanted more. And I don't know how many of you are there, but it is only a period of time. (laughs) This too shall pass. They do grow up. Some of them are here today. So um, then my children grew up and they started on to school. And at that time, they would get up in the morning and we would do what we called, (laughs) my daughter's, yeah, nodding her head. We would do a family devotion where we opened and we would read scripture and then we would read an illustration that applied to their lives as children. And that was my early morning devotion time. As they went on, I would be able to pick up the word a little more during the later parts of the day after they had gone to school. Now in the summertime, how many of you know that can be a challenge? It can be a challenge to have that time. Well, we had a rest time. And during the summer, the children would go to their room for a couple of hours and that was, my, that was my Bible time. It was non-negotiable. You stay in your room, you read your word, you read what you're reading, and you come out when the time is up. Well, there's always, I gotta get a drink. I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta have a carrot stick to put on the floor for the morning. You know, there's gotta be something in there. But it was non-negotiable time. I believe it was Susanna Wesley who had the many, many children, and she would sit in the middle of her one-room home, throw her apron up over her, and that was her time. And her, I think she had like 13 kids, something like that. She had a lot of kids, and they knew this is mom's devotion time. This is her time. As I have gotten older, I have seven children. I have 17 grandchildren. I have the absolute pleasure and joy of having my grandchildren 
once a week during the school year, and I love it. My devotion time then is early morning for a little bit, and then with them, and then later on during the day. I crave the hours I get to spend before the Lord now with my coffee and my dog and my devotion. I crave that, but you, you, you are not, I can look, I know you are not all there right now. I know you're not, and it's okay. But I want to encourage you, have a devotion time, whatever it is. Maybe you work and you've got a 15-minute break where you can go in before the Lord and read a proverb or something. Make time. Ask yourself, Jesus, am I closer to you today than I was yesterday? Ladies, if you have a merry heart, if you're willing to sit before the Lord and take in what he has for you, whether it's the two hours here or the one minute here, you will be the best Martha in the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, Father, that you are perfect and that you are our creator. And any questions we may have within ourselves or any inadequacies we may have, Lord, you know all about them. Lord, I pray that the women here today would be touched by your Holy Spirit. Father, that they'd be encouraged. Lord, that they would fill to overflowing with the joy and the love and your spirit, Lord, the, the things that come from loving you and serving you, all else will fade away. Your word, Lord, stands forever. May it stand forever in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.